Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Marianne Wolfe. Most of you probably know a student or even several students who have struggled with mental health. Supporting students' mental health has always been a challenging and important issue for schools. And today more than ever, the mental health needs of students are complex and significant as we navigate this global pandemic. Reporter Rupin Fofaria of Education NC, Dr. Jeff James, the superintendent of Arabelle Statesville Schools, and Mr. Jermaine White, the assistant superintendent of student support services at Harnett County Schools, are all with us today to talk about the innovative ways some North Carolina districts are increasing mental health supports in their schools. Thank you all so much for being with us today. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks for having us. This is both a challenging and yet so in, such an important topic, and we so appreciate each of you taking the time and the thoughtfulness that you bring to this discussion. Uh, Rupin, I'd love to start with you because in much of your reporting over the last many months and even years, you've shown a light on the current challenges that students across North Carolina are facing during a pandemic when it comes to mental health. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what you've seen, what you're learning, and what you want our listeners to be thinking about. Thank you, Marianne. Um, I, and I'll be honest and say that the experience from my travels feels somewhat bleak at times. Um, there is an awful lot of stress in, in and around school buildings right now. Um, and I appreciate you, you know, lifting up the coverage from before the pandemic because it's not, it's not all new um, and it's not from one place. It's coming in waves from multiple directions. Uh, the manifestation of, of mental and emotional challenges doesn't look the same, um, you know, from one district to another or even one school or classroom from another. You, you, you see kids that are withdrawing, others acting out, others exhibiting signs of trauma. And so, um, you know, we're talking about adolescent development and changes in hormones, and that's always been uh, happening in our schools. Uh, we're talking about a search for identity and need for belonging. Um, this, this all predates the pandemic and all of it can give rise to stress and trauma in relationships and self-esteem, but it got harder with the pandemic, um, as has teaching and learning. And we know that testing and grades have long been a source of stress. And so these are just some of the issues that I learn about from students. Uh, the adults are struggling too. And, and we know that stress and trauma are contagious. And so educators are navigating these times, but they are especially vulnerable to disagreements over pandemic response, to current you know, political divisions around education. Uh, they're also watching each other get sick. And even worse, they're watching their students get sick and struggle emotionally. And so as I travel, I'm seeing people in our schools, young and old, are not well. Um, and, th and there's often not enough help for them in the building. We, we have a long history as a state of falling short of nationally recommended ratios for school social workers, counselors, psychologists, and nurses. Um, and, and, and you know, that, that shortage not only impacts students, but it, um, you know, the lack of professionals or it means a lack of professionals to help the adults as well. And so I would say that, you know, in the absence of specialized support personnel, you'll see adults who are doing more, you know, asked to do more in school buildings. Uh, but I do want to say that, you know, although it feels bleak, 
uh, feelings aren't always facts. And I'm uplifted in my travels as I speak with district and school leaders. Um, I maintain hope that solutions exist. I see districts who are giving educators and students mental health days, which is not easy, you know, as we hear so much about unfinished learning, but they're doing it because they prioritize mental health. I see countywide efforts to close feedback loops between community, school, and home, so that no matter where a child is, we're keeping track of their needs. And I've seen district leaders like the two who are with us today uh, work with their leadership to overcome barriers to mental health support. You know, as I said, most districts have a shortage of specialized support personnel. And the most common response that I've seen uh, when a student needs something like therapeutic services is to refer that student to an outside agency. Uh, but, but issues of access arise, primarily lack of transportation or lack of insurance. So if a student in my school needs help and I refer that student to an outside agency, I have to hope that that student's family has access to a mode of transportation. Then I have to hope that someone in the student's family uh, can take off work to pick up the student from school, take them for services and bring them back in the middle of a workday. And then I also have to hope that the student's family can afford treatment. And that proves to be a lot of barriers, sometimes insurmountable. But the reason I have optimism are because of leaders like Jeff James and his team and Jermaine White and his team who are among several districts that I've seen become intentional about finding community-based solutions and putting them into practice. I really appreciate you laying the groundwork and kind of setting the stage of what it, this looks like across the state. And these are students that we're talking about and these are teachers that we're talking about. And I think something that comes to mind for me is that this is not optional. This is essential really as a foundation so that students can be ready to learn and that we're supporting the whole child. And I really appreciate you sharing all of that. And I would love to hear from a couple of the districts that have been able to find ways to bring those services closer to students. And Jeff, you are one of those in your districts. And I know this is a really important topic for you and that you've identified some innovative ways to ensure students have access to mental health support. So can you tell us a little bit more about what Iredell State School Schools have both faced, but also how have you responded? One of the key components is funding. Um, North Carolina as a state continues to be towards the bottom of the 50 states when it comes to supporting social and emotional learning and health of our students and not only students, but staff. Um, and we're, we've seen a huge um, uh, need in staff members also during the pandemic. And we're finding out that employee assistance programs, why, you know, it's a great term and it's on the books. We really didn't know what it looked like until the pandemic and we're having to dust that off and actually put some uh, dollars and some uh, motivation towards helping our employees because uh, they're really stressed at this point. We're seeing uh, retirements like we've never seen before. And, uh, you know, for, for our point, since 2018, we've had five suicides. And, and one suicide is too many. Now there's been nine suicides in Iowa County. So there, there's other venues, of course, non-public school and, and other students go to other sites. But over that period of time, um, and actually when I first started in Iowa State, well, way back when, 2002, um, we had suicide issue then. I, I'm not sure if it's any worse than some other counties, but I think if you have one suicide, your perspective is it, it's horrible and we shouldn't have any, but 
Uh, Idle states, well, one thing we've done aggressively, Marianne, is go after grants. So we have a total of about $12.2 million in grants. The problem is, as Rupin's mentioned, is those grants run out in 2024. So I keep telling our taxpayers and everyone that will listen, uh, we're okay right now, but we can we have to sustain what we've started because mental health affects our entire community. And I think as a school system, uh, we're probably more effective and efficient in handling those needs because the kids, the largest grouping of kids is in our school buildings. So the best place to deliver those services is there. And Rupin mentioned transportation. Well, if we can have the service agents come to our schools and provide those on site, then the transportation issue uh, becomes a moot point. But we have um, SAP providers, we call them student assistance providers at all of our middle schools and all of our high schools. And during the time that budgets were cut, and of course that's debatable too, I guess who you ask, but when budgets were cut, so our funding went down, so whatever you wanna call it, we had to cut back those student assistance providers. And um, we, we felt like we had come a long way on, on slowing suicides and we started seeing them going back up when we removed services. So we're scared to death uh, looking at it 2024 uh, and not having a funding source. So one of the things in our county that we're pushing is a quarter cent sales tax increase because altogether, Marianne and Rupin and Jermaine, uh, we've added the cost up. So for SROs and counselors and the supports we need, it's about $9 million a year. So that's just not sustainable without federal grant money, et cetera. So our team has done an excellent job. After the break, we will continue this important discussion on mental health. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Town Bank, serving others, enriching lives. Welcome back. We are so pleased to be joined by these wonderful guests. Uh, I know you all have kind of alluded to this, that you're having to be very creative and go for alternative sources. And many people listening don't realize that we don't have a nurse in every school. We don't have the ratios, as Rupin mentioned, for counselors, psychologists, and social workers in our state. We have a long way to go there. We've made some very small strides, but the, we have a long way to go. We have Senate Bill 476 social emotional learning but the problem is we didn't put any dollars in that bill and we just keep adding on top of what teachers are responsible for and we're starting to see an excess of teachers because they, they've come to a point they can't do everything they're required to do and i think all of us were teachers at some point um, we always wanted to be that that person that excelled and and took care of business and social emotional learning is part of learning in the classroom. And if we can't address behaviors and make kids feel needed and wanted in our schools, we're gonna have a struggle closing those gaps. So uh, we added 25, we have 25 nurses, the highest number we've ever had. We have 37 schools. So through the grant money and through the board, also local dollars, we've been able to beef that up. But uh, we had a um, American Foundation of Suicide Prevention. We partnered with them and our local um, United Way and done a suicide town hall. And, and you guys have been in the school business for a long time. You really don't know how turnout's gonna be. And sometimes we get disappointed for the lack of turnout. And about five minutes before this began, uh, it didn't look too promising. And you know, people started pouring in and we had over a hundred people on site and about two or 300 online. And we had a great, uh, a great conversation around suicide and suicide prevention. The, the speaker was phenomenal. Um, she talked about the suicide ideation of her own child and how it impacted her as a family. Thank God uh, they didn't take a life. Um, so 
it takes a community and we keep saying that it takes a village and at one point I really didn't believe that but uh, it really does and the mental health needs are there as Rupin said so we can ignore them but I think the best place to fill those needs are where we have the largest grouping of students and that typically is the public education and we we always ask for a community to push in and provide those services but we have school-based uh, therapy and a crisis team uh, we partner with Children's Hope Alliance again through grant dollars uh, they come on site and provide counseling for our kids the student assistant uh, providers their mental health professionals we have trauma-informed counselors and uh, we, we were on the first in Iroh County to pick up on the say something app from Sandy Hook it's not just one service it, it takes a ton of services to wrap around children and to make sure we're connecting with them and the sad part of it is Marianne I sat here while a parent of, of a student that committed suicide sat across on the other side of my desk and, and, and feeling that you don't know what to do. And we don't know exactly what caused it, but I think way back in my day, we had the, the straw that broke the camel's back was a game. You don't know which straw it is that makes that student feel uh, so overwhelmed that their, their only out is thinking about suicide. So we're trying to encourage talk. And, you know, we're in a different political climate right now. And I think we've got our focus off what's most important in our state in our counties, in our country, and that's our kids. And it really bothers me that adults are, are taking the dialogue completely away from what is a serious problem. If we had all the energy in the room behind preventing suicides and working with our kids on social emotional learning, I think we could do a lot more in our state. It's, I would like to bottle that energy that, that, that I'm seeing at some board meetings around things that really don't pertain to students, bottled up and put towards helping our students. Well, Jeff, I just appreciate you sharing all that and just how important this is and thinking about each child in your district too. And I'm also just reminded that one of the things we know is that when we invest in social and emotional effective programs, we also see academics go up. So it's not an either or, it really is that foundation. And I just appreciate you, you sharing all that and what you're doing to lead the way in your district. And Jermaine, I know that you similarly have had to be creative You've had to think differently. Um, and we'd love to hear about what that looks like in Harnett County. It's been tough. Um, the last two years have certainly been um, eye-opening for us. Um, but what we did not do was kind of sit down with our hands under our legs. Uh, we actually wanted to put some work forward and do something. Um, and so in Harnett County, really pre-pandemic, we were preparing for some sort of mental health intervention inside of our schools. Um, but what we had to do was be very creative in how to get there and, and what we really wanted to do. And so we kind of looked around, kind of saw what some other school districts were doing and said, hey, we think we could do that and maybe even take it a step further. Um, and so what we were able to do is to find some professionals that were already within our organization that had a passion for the work. Um, and so anybody who knows me knows that I'm very passionate about what I do. And so I look for passionate people who want to be able to do similar things. And so we were able to convert um, some social work positions into mental health positions because I had a few social workers that actually had some of the designations needed in order to be able to move forward in that process. And so um, it started out with two very ambitious social workers in our district. Uh, and we were fortunate to be able to grow that team 
from two um, to five this school year, just simply because of the fact that we have people who are passionate about our students getting the mental health services that we need. Um, and so while the uh, department is based out of our, our central services area, we actually have people that are boots on the ground. Um, and so our mental health specialists are actually located inside of several of our schools and they travel around to be able to meet with students and their families. Um, we also have opportunities for um, services to be provided um, in different languages um, because we have people who are around the district um, that can speak those languages um, that meet the needs of our families here. Um, and out of our mental health piece grew a family engagement piece that we've been able to grow as a district as well. And so again, it, it's been very interesting to see um, how we were doing this before without having these services really in place. Um, and one thing that I've seen as a district or that I see in school districts across the state and, and even around the country is that there are different programs in different places, different departments have different programs that they may necessarily do. And one of my things um, that I wanted and I stressed to my team was we have to bow tie a lot of these things together and make sure that we're working on the same page um, and that our everything that we're doing works to be able to advance whatever the next group is trying to do as well. And so, for example, um, if I have a mental health specialist team, are they working with our school nurses? Are they working with our psychologists? Are they working with our counselors? Is everybody kind of speaking the similar language to be able to help children? Because again, they're all kind of seeing the exact same kids. Um, and what you started to see at the beginning of this process is that a lot of kids were being referred for mental health services because of their behaviors. Um, but we all know as practitioners that behavior is the symptom. Um, and what we have to do is try to be able to get down to the root cause of necessarily what's happening with the student and how to be able to assist them. Um, and one thing that we've seen um, as far as mental health is concerned um, is that there seems to be a negative connotation that goes along with that. Um, especially in communities of color, um, rightly or wrongly, there's a negative connotation that goes along with mental health. Um, you know, nothing wrong with me, nothing wrong with my family, um, you know, move on, go see somebody else. Um, and what we found really by having these services inside of our schools and having people who speak the language is that they've been able to make families feel more comfortable about this process um, and working together in order to be able to see um, a, a huge outcome. And so again, um, I'm very proud of the work that we've been able to do as a school district the things that we've been able to pull together um, and with the support of our superintendent and school board, we just want to continue to push um, those efforts forward um, beyond this school year um, and create something sustainable 5, 10, 15 years down the road for the people here in our communities. I never want to tackle a thing um, unless it can be sustainable. Um, and so that was kind of one of our, our huge goals in the beginning was to make sure um, that if we do this, this is not work that's going to just be here for two years or three years, that five, 10, 15 years down the road, we're able to look back and say, we know where this started. Jeff was talking about funding, and that was a challenge for us um, as a school district. And really what we had to do was get creative. 
um, and look at where we may have been doing things that were a bit outdated um, and reallocate those funds to be able to support our efforts, uh, mental health specialist wise. Um, and so I was very passionate about making sure that our mental health specialists um, that worked for the district were not contracted, but that they were permanent employees. And again, that just took a shifting of different fund sources um, in order to be able to do that. We're very grateful um, for the grant support that we've received from the state because that's really helped put us over the top, um, especially in our school health services. Um, piece for the district. Um, we've been able to really go back and add some additional school nurses. Uh, and again, I'm an advocate. This is a, a great opportunity to be able to advocate for a school nurse in every public school, um, because again, I think it's necessary. Um, and they are so integral in the mental health process. Um, I really don't think people truly understand that. Um, and in COVID, our school nurses um, have been a, really been able to shine um, and really show what they can do um, as a group as well. And, and that's been something um, that we've been very fortunate with, um, you know, as well here in Harnett County. And so again, I can talk for hours about um, the things that we've done and, and don't certainly want to um, continue to, um, you know, ramble on about those things. But again, I'm very proud of um, the work that we've been able to accomplish here. Well, I think we're so fortunate to hear of solutions that are making a difference and, and all of that, but also the fact that the conversations are happening and the community is engaging in those. And we know that for a long time, these conversations probably wouldn't have happened and people wouldn't have been comfortable and willing to talk openly. And so the fact that we are, I think, shows great progress. And after the break, this week's final word. Our schools strive to support the academic, social, and emotional learning of our students. And these efforts include student supports through social workers, psychologists, counselors, and nurses, in addition to teachers and other staff members. Even where student support personnel are in place, which is not the case in many of our schools, families and communities have long known the complexity and urgency of student mental health. Most of you listening to or reading this today know a student or many students who struggle with mental health. While it is an important shift that mental health and the related supports are talked about more widely than ever before, we continue to struggle to provide the interventions and supports for our students, even when we are aware of the needs. Today, we are lifting up how COVID has shed light on student mental health challenges and how the traumas related to COVID have likely increased the students' needs for mental health supports. Some districts in our state, including Iredell Statesville Schools and Harnett County Schools, are overcoming obstacles and pursuing creative, innovative ways to increase mental health services for students in their districts. Leaders in these districts know that supporting student mental health is one of the foundational elements of ensuring students can succeed both inside of the school walls and in life beyond the classroom. Yet for years, they have encountered many financial and logistical roadblocks in order to provide the services their students need. For far too long, our schools have only been able to employ a fraction of the school counselors, social workers, psychologists, and nurses that are needed. Students who come to school hungry, are living in poverty, have just experienced a traumatic event, or have an unstable home life, are not in a productive state to learn. Yet despite what we have come to understand, our state's public schools are starved of the school support personnel who can help address some of these needs. Social workers, nurses, psychologists, and counselors are critical to ensuring students can succeed in the classroom, but our state has neglected to direct the necessary resources to ensure that they are in place in every school, 
And as a result, we are seeing massive shortages of these personnel statewide. No school district should have to face so many challenges when it comes to supporting our children. As we heard today, mental health is often one of the first services to be cut when funding becomes scarce. While some districts have been able to make mental health a priority, they did so through hard work, creativity, and finding scarce funds either within their budgets or through the philanthropic community in order to be able to do it. All of that effort should not be a requirement, especially with so many other needs in our schools. As we strive to have an education system that ensures that all of our students graduate ready for college, career, and citizenship, we must acknowledge and act in accordance with the need for these integral supports for our students. They are not optional. Addressing the needs of the whole child is critical to ensuring that each child reaches their potential. Thank you for taking time with us to learn and think about education. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week.